Hello and welcome to the next episode of Splitting Cases with Pointy and the Moose. Having a quiet drink in my backyard and we have a very special guest with us tonight, Andrew. I'm really excited because our guest today, Andrew, dude's got a voice for podcasting. If anyone's going to be on a microphone, his, his low tones are going to suit very well. I'm just imagining you in the editing process going, okay, that's deep, that's deep and that's soul deep. I think you need Jimmy Barnes on here to kind of even it out a little bit. So, uh, so Andrew, tell us a bit about yourself and, you know, maybe how you met both of us. Were you, Pointy, back in the day? We did our first job at Teletech. Eventually, the old band conversation got us going and, um, you know, found out some common interest. I think we had the uh, Marilyn Manson thing to begin with was probably one of the common things. I have no idea how I met you. You're kind of always just there. Do you remember meeting me? I remember hearing a few stories about you because I remember when Pointy first met you and um, you both had the very common theme of the UMI Tim oh, Rogers yeah. thing going on and oh, yeah. and Pointy told me a lot about you and he was yeah quite pumped that he met, I guess, a, a UMI Tim Rogers kindred spirit, you know? Nice. A um, faithful. A faithful. <laughs> a disciple, if you will. <laughs> a Rogers disciple. Hey, um, so, what are we here to talk about? I think we're here to talk about Grinspoon. Hi, Mum. Hi, Fiona. <laughs> so, Andrew is a big fan of Grinspoon, and I can definitely attest to his uh, commitment over the last 10 or so years that we've known each other. Yep. Uh, but there's been some uh, recent news about Grinspoon, uh, which is they're, they're on hiatus. Yeah, I don't like that word with bands. I wish they'd just... I mean, okay, I wish they'd just say broken up, but I guess if you say broken up, you're kind of locked into that That's and you can't right. come back. But You get I'm some like, sort of hope for the fan when they say hiatus. Hiatus, they can it's, come back. You leave the fans with some sort of hope, and that's what I've got. Yeah, I, I guess, have some sort of hope. I guess so, and... When you're an Australian band and you need that space from each other, hiatus is probably the best word because at some point you're going to bump into each other and go, let's play a gig. Yep. I have one sentence for you, Moose. Only a Sith deals in absolutes. <laughs> okay, so the news, to my recollection, was basically the band is on extended hiatus, so there's no immediate plans to record or tour. If we stop recording Splitting Cases, we have to put it on a hiatus. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> totally. There's a point where I'm not going to sit and, like drink beer but if we ever have to stop for any particular reason that's that's what we're doing maybe there can be like a black market splitting cases where it's like uh dodgy recordings of us just talking at the pub or something i thought that's what we're doing <laughs> oh, oh no let's be clear we're not right at the pub right now no that's true so grinspoon on hiatus at the moment uh but maybe let's uh trek back a little bit and what are our first grinspoon experiences andrew you've probably got a good one i was probably 12 or 13 at the time, show my age a little bit here, I used to go to all the concerts with my sister, you know. So she was one of those really good sisters that would just let a younger brother take along to all the shows and mates at the time, you know, didn't want to go to the, those sort of shows, you know. And so take along to one of the shows at the time and it was at Parramatta Park and it was a Red Cross donation. I remember walking in, got the train in and there's... Everyone, all those sort of like, you know, grungy sort of scene at the time, sort of people, you know, I'm walking, I had long hair down to the shoulders, like the blonde long hair at the time, and um, had the old cargo army pants on, and walked in, put a, you know, dollar or two dollar donation in the old Red Cross box, 
didn't know what bands were playing, nothing like that, just there for have a good time, you know, a few drinks, all that sort of stuff. And went to the first mosh that I ever went into, and that first mosh was Grinspoon. Went in there by myself, and I remember hearing Dead Cat, and that was just, just absolutely set me off. And I remember hearing everyone yelling out, you know, playing pedestrian, play pedestrian, play pedestrian. Dead Cat came on, played it, her pedestrian. I just was absolutely hooked after that. Stayed there, moshed the whole time. One of the best, and still till to this day, probably one of the best gigs I've ever, ever been to. Nice. That's a good point around, you know, being in a mosh at that age and hearing the crowd around you yep. get into something. It, it really, especially at that age, you're very impressionable. And it's like, oh, hang on, this is this is something. I didn't realise that there was a community and there's a feeling and there's other people into oh, this. Yeah. And it's kind of like this um, self-validation or validation of what you're into that really makes you get into it even more. But that that's the sort of thing that stuck with me. That's the thing that, like, that first band, you know, I'd... Yeah, been into you know metal and and other sort of music and, and and sort of I guess heavy rock at the time, but really being involved in that mosh and to this day I have not seen any other band as many times as what I've seen Grinspoon. And when it comes down to when every time I see them, it relates back to that one day when I saw them and hearing those songs. And when I hear like anything off God to Better Living, brings me back. You know, it's fantastic. One of the like great lines that we sort of know about Grinspoon from the bonus album, the bonus section off Guide to Better Living, and they've got a lot of early stuff on there. But I remember I had a tape. I remember I had a fucking, a normal sort of tape of a live Grinspoon album that I picked up from my first gig. I listened to back to front. It, all I had was Dead Cat, Pedestrian, and I think probably Champion on there. I think it was probably the three big songs at the time. And I had this, I had this tape, and it was one of those ones that had three songs on it, you turned around the other side, you played the same three songs again. But it was the live stuff that they just they dished out at the concert. And I remember like just listening to it over and over and over again. Like and that's one of the things that like just I love that album through and through. Yeah. Like big Grinspoon fans like you pointy, like, you know, you've got a good mix of different Grinspoon albums that you love. But when it comes down to it, that album to me is just the be all end all. Because it's like <laughs> it's it's like almost twenty songs. And I can listen to that album from front to back mm. and I don't want to listen to it on shuffle or anything like that. I want to listen to it front to back and I love it. Those and are the best albums. They, they're, they're fantastic. And I love the fact that you've got, you've got a nice little heavy start and you've got a little bit of a mix of like... There's a, there's a weird mix of like not so heavy... You know, well, like, you know, you've got songs like Bad Funk Stripe, yeah. Balding Matters. And Balding Matters is like, you know, like, so it's not all like, you know, Doom and Gloom and the big fucking rock songs. There's a bit but of But people mix. hear like things like Champion and that's a heavy song off the album, but that's not the heaviest song off the album, I think, like that. Like it's, to me, growing up, Pedestrian off Guide to Better Living was the best fucking song ever, dead set. And we used to listen and wait. And we, whenever we went to see them live, we would just wait for a pedestrian to come on and we'd wait for the that line where they go, where Phil goes, happy birthday. It goes a little bit of silence and it go, now that happy birthday. Like, oh man, like it would just, you'd just be G'd up just to hear that, you know? Pointy, I think we got a little sidetracked there from first experiences. What were your first Grinspoon experiences? My first Grinspoon experience was art class in high school and me not liking Grinspoon because of the other people that liked Grinspoon uh, yep. 
So I was like, well, those, like the, it, I was so. like, well, those guys are into it. Oh, I'm not real keen on those guys, so I'm not going to listen to that. So I, I wouldn't say I was actively against Grinspoon, but it wasn't really my thing. And then I started working at Hungry Jack's, and as both of you know, love the Hungry Jack's. Can remember all the burgers I could. I could make you both a burger right now. Maybe that's a podcast. I, I, I kind of wish you could make me a burger right now. Well, I, well if if uh, you know, if Mrs. Cash. Pointy can go gather the ingredients, <laughs> then perhaps I will. But my gather next experience hunt. was working with people. And, you know, when you're at the age of 14 or thereabouts and you start meeting people that maybe you don't go to school with or haven't grown up with but are around the same age as you, it's a, it's a very different experience. Oh, yeah. And so all the other people were saying, oh, I listen to Grinspoon. And so I kind of got into it, which was probably just after Guide to Better Living. So it was probably in between when that and Easy Easy, came out. So I really got into both of those albums and, yeah, I was, have been a fan ever since and, you know, a lot of people have sort of shit on the band or, you know, had but negative things to say along the way. The but I think... The show, like, how good they are. Like, honestly, like, if you look at, I think the last two albums, I think the album before last went gold, but every other album before that hit platinum. And But you don't realise that. And I don't think that the the normal Australia or anything like that 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 doesn't get record play doesn't realise that they, all the other albums hit platinum. They sell really well, they, yeah. they sold, like... And I was so pumped when... This is probably jumping ahead a little bit, but when Thrill Skills came out, and I remember hearing it on the radio, and I was like, oh, my God, fantastic, because I kind of, like, had sort of forgotten about them a little bit, because, yeah. you know, you think, like, Chemical Heart and stuff like that went so commercial and then everyone liked it and still stuff. I love yeah. that new detention I, album it's a great it's absolutely great album yeah. you know but when Thrill Skills came out I was just absolutely like I was kind of reunited with the band you know I was yeah. I felt I felt that reunition there and I was yeah I was absolutely pumped so Moose what was your introduction well it's real apt for now um, because I woke up uh, I had the Saturday morning tradition of watching Rage from pretty much like as early as I could love get up yeah, and um, it was pretty early on and I woke up because I really needed to pee and I got up and I put Rage on and I just wanted to check where it was because sometimes like, uh, if I woke up late enough it counted down the top 50 yeah. and you know it depends on where you get check up with Rage well I couldn't check that. the schedule because at this point you don't really have access to the internet I don't think we had internet in the house at this point and I woke up and I was like okay I can't remember what I was waiting I for say, we're sounding very old right now but uh, I couldn't check the schedule or anything like that but I just turned the TV on and I was like oh I think I'm around the point like I think last week this clip I wanted to see whatever it was was around this time should I go to the toilet I might miss it uh, and I kind of danced back and forth doing that really awkward need to pee dance that yeah. you do yeah. and um, I remember I can see you doing it right now actually. I'm doing it right now and that's why it's so apt because I was doing the awkward need to pee dance and I came in midway through a film clip and the next film clip on was actually Black Friday. Wow. And that was when I got into them. Well, not, no, actually later than that because I kind of 
was intrigued by it, but I was like, what the fuck is this? Only because I really needed to pee and I wanted to, whatever I was listening to to come on, you know. But um, I just vividly remember dancing that pee dance and just waiting for that film clip to come on and seeing Black Friday and just being intrigued and slightly off-put by it. But I eventually learned to love it. And now I'm going to pee, so you guys can uh, fend for yourselves. <laughs> I'll be back. Okay, so I think we had a pretty good chat about Guide a Better Living. And so Easy was probably a little bit of a departure from Guide a Better Living, but maybe not a, a major one. It was interesting, though. Like, it was an interesting album compared to that because I don't think there's ever been an album that's been anything like Guide to Better Living. There's not been a, an album like that. And I think that's probably why I've hung on to that album so much. Mm. People sort of get onto that next album or something like that. And I think you pointy that. You introduced me to so many different albums, and you introduced me to like a couple of the um, the other sort of like you know, EPs and, th- and stuff like that. Talk about like liquor bottle cozy and stuff, you know. And you and I both love Freezer. That's a fantastic song, and the I, I like the album stuff, but the the live version can't get enough of it. Absolutely can't get enough of it. And when it comes down to it, Grinspoon Live anywhere, I'll go. I'll go. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. We'll go and see it. So. Easy probably did have some songs that were probably a bit more... I don't know if this is the right description, but maybe a bit more rock than what was on Guide to Better Living. Yeah, I reckon so. Yeah, I, re- I, yeah, I reckon so. And it was a bit softer sort of rock compared to Guide to Better Living. I'm trying not to jump too far ahead here, but point it, when you and I saw Grinspoon at Nelson's Bay... Or Nelson Bay, Nelson. as it's actually called. Sorry, Nelson Bay. Well, it was named after Nelson, so it's kind of Nelson's Bay. He has a bay. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't seen Grinspoon in, I don't know, maybe a couple of years, maybe let's say under two years. And Phil came out. And Phil came out with bleach blonde hair, like original Phil. And it might sound dumb to everyone out there that's, you know, might not appreciate Phil when probably before Guide to Better Living, Phil came out with bleach blonde hair like he was originally. And I felt this, I was there back in the day. Because I saw Phil with Grinspoon when God of Building happened and they were making their record deals and stuff like that. But seeing Phil with this bleach blonde hair, for me, made it feel like old school. And hearing these old school songs was absolutely fantastic. I remember you, Pointy, made your way back in the mosh probably three or four times <laughs> because you got kicked out. Yay! And I remember you getting kicked out. We made some good friends in the mosh, but I remember you getting kicked out. And you were back in. You got kicked out. You got made your way back in. I'm persistent. You are persistent. You are persistent. That gig, to me, because it was a free concert, and we got a lift down with my girlfriend at the time, and that was it was was just an absolutely fantastic concert because, to me, going to see, like, Grinspoon play a free concert and they were hired by the Nelson Bay Football Club and it was a free gig, basically, they do because they, they were hired by the football club, so we paid a little bit of an entry and played pay for a bit of food or something like that during the gig and it was one of the greatest gigs it was absolutely fantastic it was like Phil basically when he came back 
after his debacle with the ice problem. So that was probably the just after Lost Gospel. We're definitely skipping ahead slightly here, but that's okay. I'm, I'm very keen to talk about Lost Gospel. <laughs> I can I can tell. So let's uh, put a pin in that just just for a moment. We'll we'll get to that. So after Easy New Detention was the uh, the third Grinspoon record, and I do recall there being a bit of a kerfuffle about the fact that Chemical Heart was the lead single. And it, yeah, there was a bit of a kerfuffle about it with um, some some old school fans that weren't real happy about the change in direction. That's true. But I don't think this is a problem that's, you know, specific to Grinspoon. Third album in. No, it's not. Fans it, it that are teenagers. At all. No. Well, it helped their record sales. Oh, well, yeah, it went to a... It went, so much. It expanded and went to a different it sort did. of crowd. You know? And they... I remember... Um, it might have been a football grand final or something like that, and Grinspoon were the headliners, and they played Chemical Heart. And I remember feeling fantastic. I got to see Grinspoon on yeah. the telly, and I, I don't like football, but I remember tuning in, waiting for that halftime entertainment, and watching Grinspoon and doing Chemical Heart, and they absolutely nailed it. Yeah. That's what I love about Grinspoon. The the same band, and there's what one DVD out of theirs, and watching that, and, and watching them all, and, and interacting with them all in that DVD, and they're all the same band that I saw from that very very first time. Just makes you feel fantastic, yeah. and, and I think I said it before, but it's the it's the band that I've seen the most out of anyone else in the world, like out of any other band that's ever ever toured, and to this day. I will still go and see them over anyone else. So I reckon that's that's absolutely fantastic that they've never changed their lineup. Mm. Okay, so the next record was Thrills, Kills and Sunday Pills, which I do remember being in a car with Dylan, who was on one of the earlier episodes, and our friend Russell, where yeah, the first single was lamb- lambasted a little bit in the sense that, hang on, what what is this hard act to follow? This is a little bit ACD-ish which was perhaps not so cool then. Yeah. Um, it was like, what are these guys doing? But I think that record really holds up now. It's, it's actually so it's a really fun party record. Yeah. And it was probably just the time that it came out in the age that we were where we yeah. couldn't really appreciate it. Because in retrospect, uh, Andrew and I had a lot of great nights listening to that record. Yeah. yeah. That album, and if you compare it to the other albums, it is consistent front to back, like music-wise, everything like that. The songs front to back suits that album, you know? Yeah, it's great. And it's, it is a perfect, perfect album. And that's basically the album that got me back. Well, not that I lost my Grinspoon factor, but... There's a level I, of involvement that you have with the band. That you I heard it on the radio, songs. and I, was, I felt proud that this album was on the radio, that this songs was on the radio, and I, I honestly felt fantastic for them, and I felt like I was kind of like a part of it. Yeah. You know, the fan from back in the day that heard the album, they heard it on the radio first, and 
good on them for being on the radio at the yeah. time, you know, like for making it that far. That Personally, I don't listen to radio. I'm probably the most out-of-depth person from the world, like, you know, I don't know what's going on with the news and things like that, but hearing that at the radio at the time and just happened to be in somebody's car driving around Newcastle, I was in King Street. I remember the exact point where I was. I was in King Street, and I remember hearing <clears throat> Thrills Kills on the radio, and I remember going out and buying the album straight away after that. That's funny. I was definitely on Hunter Street when we were all in the car together, like me and Ross maybe, and Dill. Maybe. Oh, we weren't in the car together then. Definitely not. I think we didn't even know each other at that point. At that time, I had a uh, a mini disc player. So you used to be mad on the mini disc. I, I was a mad mini disc person. Like I was probably the person that was like <laughs> trying to get mini disc into the normal sort of society sort of thing. You know? yeah. I was like, it's going to be the next big thing. Everyone you know? needs to have a mini disc. That's right. But he also had a bunch of laser discs as well. But he doesn't <laughs> talk about that. <laughs> I didn't have the I didn't have the laser disc. But yeah, like that basically like shook me back into the Grinspoon world, and and it was it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, love it. I agree. <laughs> I concur. <laughs> and the next record was Alibis and Other Lies, and I, I do recall actually buying the single for Black Tattoo, which was the first single off that record, on the way to your place. I think you bought it for me, though, didn't you? Yeah, I do think so. And uh, we got to your place, and I think you were living in Mayfield at that yep. point. And, uh, yeah, maybe really we, we bought it and had a couple of drinks and well, maybe that. threw something over the balcony. I don't know. I think we probably had many a drink, but um, you have constantly known, which is fantastic about you, have known the albums that, you know, I've, I've wanted to listen to. And, and when you bought that for me, it was my birthday and you came around, we had a couple of bits and... Um, Getting that album and hearing it was just was fantastic because at the time, you know, didn't have a lot of money, didn't have a lot of money to go and buy some records yeah. or something. I remember you pointy brought that album around and sitting out the balcony and having a couple of beers and just absolutely cranking that and really pissing off the neighbours. <laughs> like, really pissing off the neighbours. Well, that's what all good rock music should do. Yeah, I was going to say, that's good music to piss off the neighbours with and that, that's a test of, uh, test of a record. Yep. But that, that, like, that album, like... Honestly, is probably one of the ones that I still listen to to the, like to this day, and I sort of go, "Fuck, why didn't I listen to it more? Why haven't listened to this more?" You know, like there's still time. You know, like I still get a lot out of it, out of that album. It's one of those things. I but I still keep going back to the original Grinspoon stuff, which is kind of weird. But and I listen to like some of the latest stuff, and I'm like, "Wow!" Like I'm I'm finding stuff still from it. You know, and. That's one of the reasons why I love Grinspoon because, mm. you know, it's it's got something for me. And I'm sure it's got something for everyone else that listens to it, you know, mm. but maybe not as much as what I uh, tend to find from it. Just talking about alibis and other lies, but before that, there was a record that Phil did called The Lost Gospel. And that was one that I... Did I buy that for you? Yeah, I'm pretty sure for my birthday, Pointy, you bought me that album. And hearing... You've been a secret agent, man, ever since. (laughs) Back in 62. But to be honest, mate, like, one of the heartbreaking moments for me is that knowing that in Newcastle that Phil was there at um, Muso's Corner and that one on um, Beaumont Street, that pub there. The Northern Star. Yeah, Northern Star. And... To go and see him live, I would have been dead set a metre away. And 
I love that album, Lost Gospel album, front to back. I think it's absolutely fantastic. I think the stigma that came around from it from where, you know, everyone went, oh, he was so sneaky about going and doing that and, and doing this album and stuff behind the rest of the band's back. But he wasn't doing that. He was just going out and not seeking the approval from his manager. Well, from what I've read, it wasn't so much he was trying to hide it from the band. He was trying to hide it from the record label because, you know, he just wanted to go do this record without any involvement from people who shouldn't be involved, really. That's right. And I think he's like, from what I read, and, you know, this might be misconstrued or something like that, but what it comes down to, he went, I'm 29 years old or something like that. I think he said, I'm 29 years old. I don't need to go and seek approval from my manager. This is a self-funded project. Yeah. Don't get involved. Just don't get involved. And, you know, and this album that came out and the last song on the album, you know, is... is I can. Yeah, I can see you (laughs) staring into space. Like, Point and I have had many a night listening to this album and hearing the last song on the album and just having an absolutely pearl of a night... (laughs) Just drunk, singing along, and having an absolutely fantastic night. But it's yeah, it's it's a fantastic album, and I I give him I give Phil all the credit for doing doing what he did. And I I totally agree. But I've never actually listened to that album, which I, is I I, it. I know I know once, I know. Moose Moose. Once we finish the episode, we're putting it on. Yeah, I've heard a couple of tracks here and there, and. Um, my cousin always talks about the time he went to see them and how great they were. And I think Stevie Wright's son was in that yeah, band. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And that's why he went to see them. That's right. But um, I've never actually fully listened to that album. Moose, I reckon that a lot of people probably listened to the album and stuff and went, all right, oh, it's, it's grid spoody, that sort of thing. But Mine was not an intentional, I'm not going to listen to it. It was just, yeah, I well, haven't. But I think that people that listened to it probably heard a bit of Grinspoon in it or heard his voice or something like yeah. that and went, righto, it's, it's just Grinspoon. But there, you know, there is a lot of depth behind it. That oh, sure there it's is. It's completely different. It's absolutely completely different. So speaking of side projects, we've talked about The Lost Gospel, but there's also been Tadatek. Do you recall much of that, Andrew? Look, to be honest... I don't. Oh, you need to hear Kimono. I know Tadatek from... It's probably going to be an absolutely weirdest conversation, but I know Tadatek from... From a surfing video? No, but from, like, ex-girlfriends and <clears throat> knowing that your missus, Pointy, that, uh, yeah, they all loved Phil from back in the day. They were big Tadatek fans, and your missus, Pointy, that uh, her older sister was a big Tadatek fan. But, uh, yeah, never, never listened to it, though. I feel like Phil won't be upset if we say that they were pretty bad. I have never listened to them either. I will play you some later, and is we'll this, see this, what you. Is this the band with custard? The bloke with custard from custard? I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was the bloke from like he was like David McCormack. I can't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I neither confirm nor deny. Burps? No. You're recording right now. Snap. <laughs> no. We could probably like continue this a little bit from seeing Phil <laughs> do his from seeing Phil do his um, solo shows, and the first time I saw him do solo shows, I remember just sitting there with this angst and just like absolute, just waiting, just really, really waiting, just to, like in the hope that he would do something from Lost Gospel. And when he fucking first did his song from Lost Gospel, I think it was probably the first or second song that he opened with. And you've got Phil on stage at um, Lazotte's. So you've got a really nice, you know, big stage. And you've got a, you know, a crowd out there of just dinner tables. 
Let me tell you, pants were a thing of the past. <laughs> Mate, I tell you what, that I was sitting there and as soon as I heard Lost Gospel, I remember texting Aaron, I called Aaron, sorry, I remember hearing Lost Gospel, I remember it, like texting Pointy or like calling Pointy and just absolutely losing it, like just really, really losing it, like hearing Lost Gospel live but hearing it acoustically with Phil was absolutely unbelievable. It's one of those sort of moments that like, I, will, I will never, ever forget. It was probably around that time that Phil did the interview with Denton. Yeah. Yeah. That's me watching that show, but really watching that show and seeing Phil on there and him opening up was fantastic. And seeing the, the, the base behind Lost Gospel, you read a lot of uh, like articles around about where Phil went from Grinspoon and did his sneaky thing and whatever the fucking like media plays it around to be but he wasn't being sneaky he was just trying to avoid the management and all that sort of stuff and so it be that the rest of the band didn't know what he was doing and when he was on Denton and he was absolutely candid about the ice addiction and stuff I was speechless I'm still speechless about it now like I'm I, I felt that he was so open with the rest of Australia. And it was like, Grinspoon don't get enough and Phil doesn't get enough justification about how good they actually are. And seeing him on there and, and speaking that candid, I don't think that Australia got really where he was coming from, you know? That ice addiction and all that sort of stuff that he was really going through at that time. I, I still remember the whole conversation he had with Denton through this time. Like, that's how much I fucking love him. Like, through this time. Like, he was so open and talking about this ice addiction and talking about how he felt that he was being a bit dodgy to the rest of the band and being a bit candid and stuff like that was unbelievable. And his wife sitting by his side is brilliant. That was fantastic. His wife sitting straight by his side and just was his rock, I guess, is, is the key point. Well, around that time was the time Tim Rogers did his stint on Denton as well and... Um talked about his anxiety issues and all these troubles as well so it was it was a very similar experience for me i was like holy shit this person i love and this person i think is such a fantastic performer and songwriter has gone through this thing and he's being so honest about it and being so raw about it, it was because tim rogers is a very open person and, and you and you know you moose and pointy are very <laughs> big fans of tim rogers you know and I'm not a yeah. I'm not a big UMI fan. Like, yeah. Only because that I haven't given it the time of day. But yeah. you guys are, have got something very solid there, and he is a true and true artist for Australian music. Oh, totally. But he'd never been that open about certain things before, like anxiety, depression, that kind of stuff. And it was just to hear someone sit there and detail all that was amazing. Yeah. I was like, wow, you are being more open than you are in your own songwriting. Yeah. Well, you know, that more transparent, I guess. Yeah. I, fuck, I could talk about this until the cows come home, mate. Like, I thought that when Phil was there, sitting down there, and imagine, like, you know, you sort of go, like, okay, righto, so he's talking about his problems and, and what he was going through. But you go, right, okay, so I'm understanding what he's going through. But you think about the crowd that's in front of him. You think about that, that big... Yeah, it's, it's all, a full studio audience. Yeah, it's a yeah. massive audience of people. It's a big, like, U-shaped audience of people, you know, and... And he's there, and he's just going, Rotto, I'm going to tell you what happened. You know? But I think it's less that thought as well, though. It's the thought of millions of people hearing that. And not only does it go on air, it goes on the web, and yep. there's a transcript and all that stuff. It's like, 
you're considering what you want to put on the record. Yeah, well, that's that's a good point. Yeah. Good on him for doing that and and basically coming out publicly doing it. And to me, that is I don't know. Like I, I look at the album sales and stuff like that. To be honest, guys. Yeah, I honestly look at the album sales. I go, you guys are platinum. And you go right. So like, got a bit of living might have been five times platinum. Yeah. And then the next one might have been four or three times platinum. And the next one might have been like two times platinum. And the next one might have been one times platinum. Yeah. He's still absolutely nailing it. But Australia doesn't... They're, they're buying his albums. Yeah. And they don't understand him. But, I mean, I mean, that's the thing. That's why you go on a show like that. Because you're okay with bearing your soul. But I agree with you in terms of the fact that they're hugely popular. I mean, to be a rock act and to be in that genre and still sell that much i mean umi their last couple of records certainly haven't sold in their realm of platinum but holy shit grinspoon have an amazing fan base i I honestly think that like people don't understand like that and i'm like a little bit off topic here but but, like you look at bruce springsteen Mm. and you look at every album that he's released up until today has made the charts, has, has gone gold or platinum. Mm. And you look at Grinspoon, like, honest, I don't think people un- honestly understand that the albums went platinum up until mm. the last three. The last two didn't make gold, but the one before that did. Yeah. And then you're like, holy fuck, but like, no one, no <laughs> one seems to remember it. Like, no one seems to like, be avid fans. Like, where are the avid fans out there? Like, it, it, there are it bands though. Mind. Okay, so maybe not avid fans like Pointy and I are about UMI that were obsessive about it, but I think there are a hell of a lot of people who are maybe more than casual fans who like the band and would always buy a record, which I think is more more valuable than a handful of avid fans having like a legion of people who'd go, yeah. I like that yeah. band. Yeah, I'll buy I like their record. Yeah, yeah. That's but, so much more valuable. Like, I remember, like, um, I used to wait to hear lineups for Soundwave and Big Day Out. And the last time Grinspoon headlined a big act was Thrills Kills. And they headlined Big Day Out. I remember seeing them at, at Big Day Out for Thrills Kills. And I was like, it made me feel, like, really, really good because I was like, this is my band... And this, their, their headline, I was like, I want your headline, you know? Yeah. And then you see sound waves and you see big day out and stuff like that, and then I'm making on the bill. And you're kind of like, you really should be making on the bill, guys. Like, it's just it's just time. It's just time and how things how things work. I mean, I'd love UMI to headline shit, but the, yeah. them in those days have, have passed in terms of rather than headlining first day of Festival of the Sun in Port Macquarie, they're not headlining the Big Doubt, they're not headlining any of that, but it's well, just reading, time. I was reading something the other There's day. There's always about, someone um, new, you know. I was reading something the other day about Phil did the a bike ride from yeah, Gold yeah, Coast. Yeah. And that's with that's, a whole heap of people though. That's like fantastic. there's a big like a big motorcycle ride for charity. There's a bird at work right that mm. um she was getting a bike license at the same time that I was getting my bike license. Mm. And her partner is a big bikey sort of bloke, not a you know, not some crazy bikey. Not a bikey, inverted not a bikey, quote, bikey. Yeah. We're we're doing inverted commas right now. Yeah. Um, and her husband found a bike up Port Macquarie, hmm. and said, "Right, we're going to go buy this bike." The old Port Mac. Went up to Port Macquarie. They bought this fucking bike off Phil. Yeah. No joke. That's awesome. No joke. And I'm like, holy shit. And so she's like talking to me about this bike afterwards 
And she said that Phil was just like, all right, so when you do this bike up, when you do a bit more to this bike, bring it back up. I'm like, can you bring me back on this bike with you so I can come with you and meet Phil, you know? So six to midnight uh, was the however many Grinspan albums we're into now, I don't recall. But what I do recall is the fact that there's been lots of dogs barking in the background, so it seemed fitting. So uh, six to midnight, what can you tell us about that, Mr. Andrew? Mate, I tell you what. That's another album that you bought me. Did I? I don't even remember that. Yeah, you, Dead Set bought me that album. I reckon you've probably bought me at least a bare minimum three Grinspoon albums. Dead Set. And bare minimum. And I remember us talking about it. We were kind of a bit like, I don't know. We we're kind of like, it's, it's, it's good, but it's not you know, what we wanted. But when it came down to it afterwards, now it's it's... I'll listen to it. I'll, I, Dead Set, listen to it through and through, and it's absolutely fantastic. Moose, any recollections of that record? It's a good record. I really like Comeback. I thought that was like... A comeback? I don't know. I thought it was super fun and melodic from them. I'm like, yeah, okay, they're not taking this seri- too like seriously, you know? Like, they're having fun with it, and I thought that that's what Comeback was. I think they really um, did that better on the next record, which was uh, Black Rabbits. The song that has something to do with the why that... Passerby? Not Passerby. That, but that's an absolutely fantastic song. Like, And to come out with the last album that they do, and with that Passerby is such a good song. Such an absolutely fucking good song, you know? I do remember that um, for Black Rabbits, an interview where they were saying that I think they might have produced the album with perhaps someone that produced Weezer. Also, yeah, they, no idea, and I can kind of see it was a, it that was a bigger production album. I think that they were saying that they had um, they were in America or something like that that they were producing the album with, which was interesting that they were spent so much time over there and they got a lot out of it. I think I, I really honestly think they, they got a lot out of it, and I think that the fact that they went on hiatus afterwards that they personally must have got something out of it. Yeah, well, for, for me, I kind of thought that they were like, okay, well, this is, we've done the rock thing, we've done the, you know, we've done what we can, so if we really like these fun records by Weezer or whoever, let, let's let try and do something like that. Yeah. And I, I think that last record's pretty fun, and it sort of seems like lighthearted and rocking, but, you know, I don't know. I actually haven't spent a lot of time with it at all. I've had a quick listen, but I haven't gone back to it, which is... I wish I had. It's pre- it was pretty good when I heard it. I just didn't go back to it. It's not one of those ones that you sort of go, I'm not going to listen again, or something like that. Like, yeah, just I, said, I just... I heard just, it once, you then, haven't, okay. Yeah, and you go, it's it's fine, yeah, it's fine. But I tell you what, like in 12 months' time, or some other month's time, you probably go and listen to it again, and you yeah. go, wow, like... Time of life kind of thing. Yeah, and I absolutely love that about albums, man. I, it's probably one of my biggest things. I love knowing that I've got an album and then you find out two years later, I've had this album so long, why the fuck did I not listen to this beforehand? Like, We'll go back to favourite Grinner's songs to end this off. From the early stuff for me, it's probably a repeat from Go To Better Living. Yep. And for the later stuff... Maybe bleed you dry, just because I remember yeah. all the times that uh, Havelock Street in Mayfield I, that I've, we played I've, that. I've, I've like dead set made my throat dry on screaming that like dead set. Many cocktails under the belt. 
and just dead set, I'll bleed you dry. You know, like, <laughs> you know that. You, you dead set to know that pointy. Like, for me, personally, and and this is a little bit of a, a point for my sister because she is the one that's dead set. And she's not a Grinspoon fan to this day. Like, she's not, she hasn't carried it on, nothing like that. She is the one that got me into Grinspoon to begin with. And we both loved the Guide to Better Living. Mm. Pedestrian. Dead set. Pedestrian is one of my favourite songs to this day. I don't overdo it. I don't listen to it too much. Or like that. It's not one of the ones I always put on from Grinspoon. But Pedestrian and then hearing that, probably the second verse in there, like when the happy birthday kicks in, that's to me is the epitome of that original concert that I went to and I love it. I absolutely love it. And I I wish I could meet Phil and fucking just just share the fucking love that I've got for the band, you know? Around 2000, between 2000 and 2002, I became really good mates with a guy named Jesse from New Zealand and we used to hang out and listen to a lot of shit and play PlayStation and um, forever I can't play Tony Hawk's without thinking about that guy, but he was a huge Grinspoon oh, fan. Love the Tony Hawk. Oh, man. Like, that's another Massive episode. Tony Hawk Holy fan. shit. Yeah. Like, I, I swear I didn't have thumbs what, left what after. What was everyone doing? Like, everyone that time was like playing Tony Hawk, listening to good music. Yeah. Maybe eating stoned or having some drinks yeah. or something like that. Playing Tony Hawk on the PlayStation, the PS2, and it was fantastic. Yeah. Oh, shit, yeah. But this dude, Jesse... I can relate to that. I can, I can relate oh, to listening totally. to a bazillion of Grinspoon. Yeah. Listening to so much Grinspoon and playing Tony Hawk. Yeah, totally. But this dude fucking got Grinspoon at a time when I don't think I did, and I fucking give him credit now because I totally do. And um, I don't know. I can just... I, I reckon favourite tracks purely because they're so fun, no reason, and more than you are. Easy. Freezer and More Than You Are yeah. are probably the couple of the main Grinspoons. And they're, they're probably the couple of the songs that true Grinspoon <coughs> fans shout out <laughs> when you're in the mosh. They're the, they're the two songs they really shout out. And if you're the lucky one and you hear Freezer, you're you're in for a show, you know. Freezer's probably one of the... I, I would say 100% hands down that if there's any song I want to hear from Grinspoon live, is Freezer. Well, last year, I uh, remember for my birthday, we went, or near our, both of our birthdays, we went to see Grinspoon, and they did play Freezer. They did. And is, that, is that when I could That was when you bailed at the last, last minute. Year? Is that when I uh, accidentally uh, ballsed up the... Uh, the, the scuba Mrs. diving. Yeah, the scuba diving with the Mrs. Uh, 25th birthday. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, you cocked that up royally. Royally. And you missed out. Yeah, royally is the, the, uh, the key word there. Uh. Okay, so let's let's wrap it up. We've had a very long, lengthy discussion, and it's been fantastic. Any parting words? 
my parting words are if I could give anything two key notes to everyone out there one is that I would pay if I could win lotto I would pay any money to see Guy Men Living front to back hands down front to back and then second would be to see them play Lost Gospel live just to see something from Lost Gospel like one song with a band you didn't see the band at all when they played I didn't see the band I've only seen Phil on his uh, solo shows play Lost Gospel which is absolutely fantastic but to go to the pub where he played at would have been I don't know hands down would have been probably knowing that he was like a metre away from me you know I would have been a little fucking girl (laughs) okay thanks for listening guys ladies and gentlemen out there if you want to find us you're going to be listening to Spilling Cases with Moose and Pointy. You can pick us up at facebook.com forward slash Spilling Cases. Thanks everyone for listening. Dude can podcast. iTunes, Podbean, all that stuff. You know where to get it. Check it out. Check it out.